Alright, so if you have your Bibles, please open them up. Turn to the book of Romans. And I'll give you a heads up, because I am getting a little convicted in my heart of, of stuff that we went through, uh, even with our service meeting time this morning. We may go through in Luke chapter 10, and certainly we'll, we'll visit 1 John chapter 4. So give you a heads up there. But our kickoff point is going to be Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 9. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor giving preference to one another. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. And we ask that you please would help us, God, to know your will. Lord, we pray that you would empower us by your Spirit. We can't just do things and and we know that you're not this Lord up there in the sky cracking a whip. You're not into legalism. We know that what you say here for us to do and the things that you encourage us or command us to do, you also equip us to do. But help us to see, Lord, what you say in the Scriptures Minister to us, encourage us in your ways, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You guys could have a seat if you would. So we'll have to turn this on when you guys get a chance, and then that'll click through. So a couple of things here. As you and I now are in Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 9, this is a time for recap, and I, I like to call it recap. You kind of refresh what's going on, and we'll, we'll have this up in just a moment so you can follow along. But when, once you and I get through now to Romans chapter 12, you and I should be born again. Okay? In other words, God comes and makes residence within us. Now we confess that we're sinners. Any of us sinners here? We're all sinners, right? All have sinned. We find that in chapter 3. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we confess that to the Lord. We also find in this book that we are justified. And one way to look at it is, it's just if I'd never sinned. Wait a second, how is that possible? Well, through Christ Jesus it is. Okay, So he came and take, took our place. It was us that deserved to die on the cross and he replaced us. He is the substitutionary atonement, like we say, for our sins. I deserve to die. Because of my sins. And really, according to Torah, you make one sin, unintentionally sinned against God, and you find it in Torah. And how many commands are there in Torah? 613. Most of them are written in the negative. Do not do, do not do, do not do. We'll do this. Do not do, do not do. Give me a break. Anybody want to live according to that? I don't think so. Well, that's more legalism in the Old Testament time. So now through grace and love through Jesus Christ in this new covenant time, you and I can have a born again experience, a walk with the Lord. So to recap, you can follow along here now on the display. Thank you guys here. Now that we're born again Christians, as we come to chapter 12, we believe and receive, confess our sins, repent from that. Now he gives us a new life. And this is where we pick up in chapter 12. So chapter 12 is the application of of all that we've learned previously. Important to know how it's strategically lined up in this book that we call Romans as we study the entirety of the book. So now that we're a born-again Christian, I've got a new life. I've got a new family. I've got a new set of rules called the Bible. I've got a new everything, right? And everything's all new, and I have to learn how to get along with one another. I have to learn how to love one another, how to give love and to forgive and be forgiven. And that's a challenge. Is that a challenge for any of you? Now, we may not learn this in our earthly family, but we certainly need to learn. We must learn this in this new family called the church. So one of the great needs, not just in this church, every local church globally, is that we can learn how to do these things. So as we part the pages of Scripture and learn from Romans 12, verses 9 and on, you and I are going to see a lot of these principles. In fact, there's, I believe, 24 of these principles from verse 9 to the end of the chapter. 
And then you've got chapter 13, 14, 15, 16. So this is all the application part of the book. But now that we're turning the corner at verse 9 and on, we, we must see these things. So how is this book laid out? Well, now that we're born-again Christians, and we have our bodies dedicated to God as a living sacrifice, that's verse 1 in Romans 12, and our minds are now surrendered to this renewed thought life. Remember, we went through this a couple months ago. We were slowly going through this. You can't just run through it and expect it to stick. It's just not going to work. You've got to slowly go through this. Our minds are now surrendered to a renewed thought life that God wants to bring into our lives. And we have a sober estimate of ourselves. In other words, don't think so highly of yourself, Drew. And that's a problem. This is, I might get to verse 1 and go, yeah, sexual immorality, drinking drugs. That used, that used to be me, a thing in the past. No more. And then verse 2, oh, all right. Now my mind surrender. I God, help me. Take every thought captive. Make it obey. Why? Because Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, where that stupid thought come in? That pesky thought, oh, these things, I need to surrender it to him. You get past verses 1 and 2, and then he crucifies you maybe, like he does with me. You get to verse 3. I need to have this sober estimate of myself. I, I need to not think so highly of myself. I think too much of myself, and I think I'm too high of myself. Therefore, what I will not do is serve you. And so many of us never get to verse 4 and on in your walk. Anybody know that? Because it's all about self. And those are the selfish ways of the world. But not for you, Christian. Your path, your growth with God is radically changed, radically different. And now we get to verses 4 and 8 that we just took this journey on for quite some time, for some weeks. Now, if I'm prepped there, and this is, if you're checking off all these boxes, now this last one here you see on the display, am I serving others in church with spiritual gifts? I need to do that. Why? Because Jesus always wants me to look not inward and downward, but upward and outward. Amen? I need to keep doing that. So serving the Lord by serving you, by serving others, gets me to stop thinking of who? Myself! How many of you know that's, that's the issue? And it's only by serving Jesus, by serving others in his church, in the, well, I want to serve Jesus. Well, serve in the church. Yeah, but I want to serve Jesus. I'll serve him at home. I'll do it my way. Well, you're not serving Jesus. You're serving yourself. That's, I had to have brothers and friends radically exhort me and tell me these things. It's Jesus Christ. You're serving the body of Christ. It's him. And this is where we practice, Amen. We must practice. So when we gather, our family gathering on Sundays, it's, it's going to be like a family gathering at home for dinner at your house. Okay, It's going to be messy. Does that make sense? There's going to be loving, giving, forgiving, giving grace, receiving grace. And we practice. We're going to hurt one another. We don't want to. We don't try to. If you're trying to, stop it. <laughs> but we don't want to. We don't try to. But unbeknownst to one another, we're going to. Why? Because sometimes my words and my actions might hit someone in the wrong way. Maybe they're going through stuff. Or I say something that, if you could say it this way, triggers someone. I might say the word dad or father's day. That used to trigger me. Any of you guys know that? I grew up with, without a close relationship with my dad. So I hear father's day, like I get triggered. These things need to be revealed so that God could do what? Heal. Reveal and then heal. So we need to stop running. Make sense? So let's do what I love doing that I learned actually from my mom. When we had our family discussions. It was with my family at home. It was my mom, my sister, and myself. She'd sit down with us, and if there was a discussion, we just had to discuss stuff. I love that about my mom. She was great in communication. I learned a lot from that, and, and I hopefully... God willing, I could pass some of this on to you. So we need to talk about these things as a family. And this is where we find ourselves even in this book. So now, as I get through to verse 8, now I'm, I'm serving the Lord, I'm serving you by getting His gifts and utilizing Him, exercising His gifts. Along with the gifting comes what? Empower. You're probably like, speak up louder. Well, some people might say, I'm power! You know, dunamis, dynamic, dynamite, this explosive growth. 
Yes, it is. But it also can be spoken gently. That sometimes the power of God will make you and me more gentle. I don't know about you. I can speak of myself. It's only His power that can do that. The fruit of the Spirit. Luke, or Je- Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is what? Love. Come on, you guys remember? Joy. Peace. Patience, another translation might say, what? Long-suffering, okay, or patience. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Gentleness, that threw me for a curve when I read that. I'm like, what? <laughs> I grew up as a guy on the, kind of in the streets. It's like, there ain't no gentle guys. Guys and girls will talk like, you got to touch with your feminine side. I don't have no feminine side as a guy. (laughs) That's wrong, actually. That's not biblically solid either. But God's Spirit can help you and I to be gentle. And he mentions self-control. That's Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So like fruit that comes out of a tree as if produced of a life in Christ, abiding in Jesus Christ, you're going to have this kind of fruit. You can't just whip someone. you got to love people. Why? Because I said so. That's legalism. So I want us to be careful that we don't do that because the teacher may make us sit there and go, look, it says it, do it. Pray. Fast and pray. Do it. Come back when you got a question. But the under-shepherd in me, under Jesus, the good shepherd, wants to look at these things and go, okay, along with spiritual gifting, if this is where you're at and you're checking out these boxes, all right, Along with spiritual gifting comes his empowerment. Why do I need that? So you can get to verse 9 through chapter thir- or chapter 16. Romans 12.9 is all applicational up until the end of chapter 16. Make sense? Or else you and I are going to live a life not in the Lord's agape love, but legalism. And we need to be healed from that. Amen? Okay. So if you check off all these boxes, then you're ready to receive practical advice of how our attitudes and our actions should be, must be in the church. If you don't check off all these boxes, that's okay too. But we want to be able to pray for you. We want to pray for you at the end of the service today. So let me just say at this juncture, stay tuned. Okay. Again, you didn't come to church. We want you to be the church. So as we strategically see how this book is laid out, all the way from chapter 1, we get to, we've looked at every chapter, every verse, even the original language Greek, every word, as it's translated now into this English, and we want to see this. Okay, now, by the time you get to verse 9 and on, which we're reading and we're going to apply now, we got to know, okay, God, I see these gifts, I know what some of them are, I think I might have some of this, and you're telling me now to do what? To love. It's not going to make sense if we just crack the whip. Make sense? Okay? It makes sense that it wouldn't make sense. So I don't want to just crack a whip and say, go love. When you don't, shame on you. <laughs> Pray fast. Give more. Go more. It's going to drive you to what? Legalism. Frustration. Okay? You're going to get frustrated, bummed out, and then you drop out and then walk out. That's not of God. So if you don't check all these boxes, that's okay too. We want to pray for you. So now that we're ready to serve God in this new family called the church, God's going to give you and I a whole bunch of practical actions and attitudes that you and I need. He's going to give us advice for this walk. So God intends these principles to be built upon the previous context. We've got to know that. I don't want to just say, hey, turn to your Bible and go into Romans 12, verse 9. And what does it say? Let love be without hypocrisy. Stop being a hypocrite. And you're going to go like, I know, but I've been trying for 20 years. He's been trying for 40 years. (laughs) Doesn't work, does it? And you can't just convince yourself. So what is it that you and I need to do? Well, as you serve God and we get out of our silos, we start to realize we're a member in the body of Christ, the family of God, in the church, I need to learn to love you. I need to learn. Can anybody confess that with me? I still need to learn how to love. If we don't crack the whip, I've got to understand, Jesus is going to empower me with, yes, spiritual gifting, 
so I know where I fit in the body of Christ, how He wants me to function and operate. But with that gifting comes His power so that I can obey Romans 12, 9 and on. Or else, you got two paths you can go right now, Christian. Either you look at this and go, all right, I'm just going to force myself. I'm going to give more, go more, do more. I'm going to crack the whip on myself. I'm action-oriented. I'm a go-getter. I will do it. I'll be the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. But according to the Bible, and as you and I are getting convicted by the Holy Spirit, that is called flesh. And the flesh profits nothing. And you're going to burn out and give up and probably walk out. And we don't want that. Amen? So, we're going to safely assume now that you and I being empowered by God's Spirit. Now, you guys know me. I know you. That As the week's gone on, especially we've looked at contextually these things. We've, we've unpacked these chapters and verses. We prayed for one of those so many times. God, give us gifting. Give us empowerment. Over and over. So, let's just safely assume. Okay, if you've been prayed for, if you've asked for His gifting, now, let's safely assume, okay, now that we get to verse 9, Lord, now empower us to do these things. So it's not you doing the work, it's Him and His grace doing it through you. Hopefully that makes sense, Christian. Okay, Because He has to empower you and equip you, and He wants to accomplish it through you. Now we get to verse 9. Let's start breaking this down more. So we learn how to live and how to love one another in this new family called what? The church. We all got to learn. Going through verse 9 again. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. And this original word for without hypocrisy, it basically speaks of being genuine or sincere. Let love be sincere. Let love be genuine. Or as is written here in the negative, without hypocrisy. So undisguised. The hypocrites in the New Testament, that, that's a Greek word, hypocrites. That was a stage character. Someone that be there on stage, and you might have seen this in the old times here in America. They'd have like the sad verse, and then the happy face. And they would change their mood and emotion, according to the scene, by just putting a, a mask over their face. Anybody understand that? It, it kind of goes back maybe a couple decades. But that's how they would be. To show you the emotion they're playing. Someone happy in some sense. And they would actually be living behind a mask. That's uh, an actor, as we call it. They're, why they call it actors? Because that's not really them. It's not how they think and act and feel. That's what they would get you to think about what their moods or emotions or thoughts are at that time. That's the Greek word, hypocrites, The stage or character actor who puts on a mask. Hypocrites. Translated into English as hypocrite. <laughs> Okay, so Jesus said to the Pharisees, you, you hypocrites. I, I don't act on a stage. Jesus says, yeah, you do. <laughs> You're doing that in society and in life. So not being a actor, so to speak, or actress, by having a mask on. Okay, So this word here is a similar rooted word. So not having a disguise or not pretending. So he wants our love to be sincere. To not have a mask. Because sometimes you might sit there and go, okay, I've got to just grin and bear it. I'm going to love one another because I love you, Jesus. Or I, I had a sister in Christ that would say, I love Jesus. I'm trying with you. I'm like, <laughs> that might be honest, but that's not quite agape love. <laughs> so, loving one another. And if you find you're at that place where, oh, I just kind of grin and bear it. It's just tough to do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It gets to be like that. You could be with a coworker, friend, someone else in here. So there's what God says to you and me. Let love be without hypocrisy. Drew, stop putting on a mask. So that might mean that I got to come real and just tell someone, like, wow, can you pray for me? I'm really going through it. I'm trying to obey what God says. I love Jesus. I'm trying to love others. Man, sometimes it's just tough. Can you pray for me? Oh, and all of a sudden now we're closer. But oftentimes we're living in silence, especially in the world and the worldly ways. Everybody puts on a mask. You come to New York and everybody's like, how you doing? And you, they don't care to, you would know, or they would know, how you doing? It's just, that's the New York way to say hello. Where you say hi and everything else in one little statement as they walk by in a quarter of a second. How you doing? 
But you come to Christ in this new family, and we got to learn to get closer to one another, to get to know each other. And that's awkward. There's a certain social awkwardness with that, right? Especially the government says for us to disband, put on masks again, be a hypocrite, again, a hypocrites, social distance. I don't know about you, but during the shutdown, if you want to call it, I'm sitting there in my own little world with Jesus going, Jesus, I think you healed me from social distancing because <laughs> I used to be so negative and stay away from people. And now the government was telling us that. So Jesus brings us together in this new family. And with his empowerment, again, verse 9 is not taken out of context. Roll the context into it. I've already received Christ. I've already died to self, dedicated my body, a living sacrifice, as verse 1. Verse 2, empower me, help me to surrender, to be transformed, not to be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of my mind. That means I have zero thoughts that I could bring to you, zero thoughts that please you. And the Spirit of God would tell me, exactly. <laughs> Read my word so my thoughts can, can take over and you can learn how to walk in a godly, Christ-like manner. you got to start from everything from over, from scratch, Lord, and help me. And now I come to you, Lord, and as we show here on the display, Lord, my body and mind are surrendered to you. I think way too highly of myself, so I need your empowerment. Why? Because if so, then I could think of you and others. If not, I'm thinking, I'm not able to serve others. I need to be served. Make sense? Here's what Jesus says. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's your Jesus. And think of all the people on the planet who were alive during his time. You would think he's the one person that we should serve, right? But what Jesus says about Jesus, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And the Holy Spirit will teach you and I, that's the path. You want to grow and mature in God's ways? Follow Jesus in his ways. Make sense? Okay, so I need to learn how to serve others. So now that we prayed for and asked for his empowerment, now we can apply these things or else I'm, I, I get trying to warn and exhort and encourage you guys. It's not going to work. So let love be without hypocrisy. Don't pretend. So in the world, the love that we get, it usually comes with conditions, doesn't it? Who here knows that? Even in the world. I used to tell my buddies growing up, Sorry, son, I know my 14-year-old son's here, but we would tell him, I love you, yeah. And then in the world, you go and steal someone's drugs, you steal their money, it's like, that ain't love, right? And then what? It's not love, is it? It's fake, right? I used to be a DJ, and I remember my, my buddies coming in, like other DJ friends. I learned to have, like, <laughs> we used to call it a posse, like have your other friends around to watch. Why? Because your DJ friends would come, and they you turn your back, you're like, you're like doing all this stuff and then your friends are there digging in your crate stealing all your records and that was common sadly in those days I'm like man you're not really my friend so in the world with the worldly ways it's not really love is it? it's fake it's self-centered it comes with conditions and we've received this agape love that comes from the Father through his son Jesus Christ and guess what he wants us to do now mimic that Right? Why? Because just like God loved you enough that he sent someone to share his love that he gave to you, he shared with you. And now he wants you to be his ambassador to go tell someone else, right? And to go share with other people. They need to know about God's love. So in the world, love is not the same as what God gives. Not what he gave to you and I. So in God's church... You and I need to learn to love. We need to learn to love one another just like God loved us. And when we love, it shouldn't be with having a disguise. And I've been guilty of that. Let me just say at this juncture, Father, forgive me, help me. I've, I've tried to do things, and there are times even coming to serve God, even amidst the family of God here where I'll do it in my strength later on. I'm like, wow, I'm so tired, I'm so burnt out. And the Lord reminds me, can you let me do it? Ah, oh, sorry, Lord. I, I get caught up in that. 
I think we all do. But I've got to confess that to Jesus and to you. So forgive me. And sometimes I'll just do these things in my strength. And I'm just burning myself out and doing you no good. But I need to learn to love with the love that God gives. Because in the world, they don't have the kind of love that comes from the Father through Jesus. And that's the love that won you over, isn't it? Who here knows? If that's you, is that you? It's the love of God that won you over. There's a couple people. <laughs> I think that's most of us, truth be told, right? So think about that. Think about that here, Christian. I mean, look around the room. There's a bunch of us here. That God has ordained that you and I will come together. Yes, we want to study the Bible, but if we can't apply the Bible, this is no good then. You didn't come, and I'll say this to, to you guys, like I said to the servant team in our servants meeting earlier. You didn't come here just to learn the Bible and, and to hear from someone like me. There's better teachers out there, way better. You came here to be discipled. But Jesus said, make disciples, teaching them to observe all they've commanded you. So if you're here for another reason, other than to, to yes, learn the Bible and learn about Jesus, if you're here for a different reason than to obey Jesus according to the word, then you're not going to like it here. Because we're not throwing like, big parties all the time. It's not about flesh and entertainment. We want to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified and make disciples. Amen? Because that's why Jesus brought you here. So I want to share with you, yes, we need to love without hypocrisy. But let's do this with the power that God gives you and I. All right. In order to learn more, I'm really convicted that we need to learn from 1 John 4. Can you turn your Bibles? If you're in Romans 12, take a right turn, could you? Oftentimes, with the love of God in the New Testament, we often think of a certain chapter in the Bible. If you've been to a wedding, uh, many Christian weddings will quote this. What chapter am I thinking of that when you think of like a Christian wedding? 1 Corinthians 13. Okay, You learn a little bit about the love of God there. 1 John 4, you learn a lot of doctrine though. Okay, A lot of teaching. A lot of great doctrine. So I want us to see what it says here in 1 John 4. Because we're told in Romans 12, hey, we need to learn to love a certain way. And it's it's not just at the start, that first sentence of verse 9, we're going to continue into verse 10 like we read. Be kindly affectionate, it says here, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Like, I, I don't understand about this love. Well, here's what God says to us, to you and I in First John chapter 4. Let's start from verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8 says, For he or he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is agape. God is love. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So, again, we're talking about uh, earlier with people serving in this church. That's, that's great. That's how you're going to mature. It's almost impossible to mature in God's ways and His grace by just serving yourself. You've got to get out of that loop and learn to, to love Jesus and love, uh, to learn to love other people. But let's learn about His love. If I'm not loving, what does that teach you and I about my walk with Jesus? I don't know God. Pretty simple, right? For God is love. Verse 9, in this... The love of God was manifested toward us. So how was God's love manifested toward you, in you? Look what it says. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here's a really neat definition, or at least a, a, um, like a laser point, pointing to the love of God. Look at verse 10. In this is love. So this is love. This is this agape love. What is it? Not that we love God. The agape love has nothing to do with you loving God. Notice it says here in English, the conjunction, but. But that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation, that's a big word. Basically it's saying atoning.
living sacrifice. So the agape love of God has nothing to do with you loving God. What are you getting at, Drew? It emanated from, it starts from, it begins with the Father sending the Son, Jesus Christ. This is how you define this agape love. This is how you receive this love. This is how God's love was manifested in you so that you can do these things. We'll get back to Romans 12, verse 9 and on later on. So that you can obey the main command of Christ in this new covenant time. From John 13, when he says, a new command I gave you that you what? Love one another. So God's love is manifested in you. What about love? Verse 10. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. So you got to stop looking at yourself. Make sense? God, why can't I love? That's the whole problem. Because your sentence is telling me the problem, Drew. What? I. As we say, the I has to die. Right? Me, myself, and I. There's no self-pity parties in heaven. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the atoning sacrifice for your sins. The agape love of God has everything to do with God and his actions. God is the initiator. You are the recipient. And you're also the respondent. Let's continue on. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to what? Love one another. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. All right. Here's an interesting thing to see as you take this chapter, 1 John chapter 4, you're studying great doctrine about the agape love of God. Found nowhere else in the Bible like this. God's love is manifested in you when you became a born-again Christian. And guess what we can say to one another? So what? You're saved. Yay, that's great. God's love, however, is not second, perfected through you unless and until you do what? Love one another. So there's so many of us American Christians, we only get to stage one. God's love manifested in us. We're born again. Throw a party, great. Party in heaven, have a party here on earth. Now what? And in that Christian, if you stay in your silo, you never learn to love Jesus by learning to love other people in the church. That Christian will never mature. God's love is never perfected through them, only manifested in them. Stage one, never perfected through them. Stage two. And then what you and I can look at is like, is that person saved? That person will question, am I saved? I don't see this through the Spirit, which is what? Agape. Right? We looked at that also, Remember? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Through the Spirit, love, joy. It's a spiritual joy, not happiness in the world. Happiness in the world is you got money. Yay, payday. <laughs> After you pay your bills, boo. <laughs> that's in the world, that's happiness. Joy is different. Spiritual joy is sustained no matter what. Love, joy, peace. God's peace passes all understanding. God's peace will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Jesus says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So there's a worldly kind of peace. God will give you peace. That's spiritual peace. Patience. These are things that come out of, emanate from the agape love of God. Now how can you and I learn as a tree, so to speak, a fruit tree, using that illustration that metaphor that some of this can start to come out and that others can be fed by it so to speak just like a tree come to a fruit tree wow it's an apple an orange whatever your favorite fruit is that it can sustain not just self but others just like a fruit tree that through you god can pour out his love his grace his spirit can pour through you that's the challenge that's the journey that you and i are on Please understand that, Christian. So as we study Romans 12, I don't want you nor I to just crack a whip and go, how can I do this, God? You say you're commanding me to love one another in John 13. That's the main new covenant command by Christ. Love one another. A new command I give you, John 13, verse 34, that you love one another as I have loved you. And we struggle with that, don't we? Every day of our lives. That's why we need to study doctrine here in 1 John 4 where he's going to go in depth in more detail about this love of God. So God's love is manifested in you when you become born again. 
However, Christian, the love of God is not perfected through you unless and until you take a step of faith and love someone else. Who here knows that? Okay. Yes, I've received your love. I believe in your love. And he's going, so what? Let me flow through your life like living water. No, I can't do that. I'm too scared. And that's maybe where someone is. So let's pray for you to help you. Okay, so again, verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. One really interesting way to look at this. Yes, no one's seen God at any time. So Jesus, picture of, of God, the epitome of God, came to show us. And he's physically not here anymore. So no one's seen God at any time. So you're like me, where you want to see God at work. There's others just like you, just like me, that God has positioned around your life, got you saved so that you could be the preacher. No one has seen God at any time, including your friends, including your family. And along with the context of this verse, guess how God's love is perfected through you but also, they haven't seen God at any time, but they can see God at work in and through you when you do what? When you love them. See the context? Does that help make it more clear? No one's seen God at any time. So what's going to happen? God puts you in their life. So that as the love of God isn't just received by you, but given out, not just manifested in you, but perfected through you, that's how you mature. That's how they can know God exists. Because they're going to see the love of God through you. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. This Christian, verse 12 here, First John 4 verse 12, can depict much of what we're looking at here today. That God is wanting to do that. So as you read and study the entire Bible, as you get to know Jesus more and more, as you serve him publicly, as you're crying out to him, God, empower me. Give me the gifts. Help me to walk in this power and strength. Help me to get through today. This, much of what he's trying to do in your life, Christian, can be summed up here in verse 12. One way to look at it. There's many verses like this, but for the context of what we're learning here today, this is what he's been doing in your life, isn't it? It is, right? I'm just a physical voice to what the Holy Spirit's been doing in your life. How many of you here know and can confess that? You know... Oh, raise your hand. There's a bunch of you guys. That's good. So we want to pray for you today. Okay? Pray for me as I pray for you. We'll pray for one another because God's not wanting you just to see. This is not just going to a, a course like a class in college or some school and where you read it and then you just, oh, let's just do this. It's no, God is wanting you and I to surrender to him that the gifting and powering of the spirit can help you to comply with his word. So you can, as James says, be a doer of the word. But it's not by you having mental strength or you going, okay, I, I woke up early enough, I slept enough, and I got my coffee on. That used to be me for a while. I can say that now. <laughs> After coming out of rehab, of, so to speak. I'm on tea now, not coffee so much. It used to be like, oh, I feel crabby until I get caffeine in me. Those caffeinated, crabby Christians. Is there anybody else? <laughs> Was I the only one? Okay. <laughs> May the Lord deliver us all. So again, verse 12, and then look at this, verse 13. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is is love and who abides in love abides in God and God in him verse 17 let's continue on to finish this love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world there is no fear in agape in love there's no fear but God What's going to happen if I love the person sitting next to me? If I pray for that person? If I give the word of encouragement? I don't know the Bible. What if they have a Bible question? 
Nowhere does it say you got to know everything. To put that to rest. And if you guys get convicted by that or you feel that fear, I can't share it. What if they have a question? It doesn't say you got to know the entire Bible. Be ready to give every man an answer for the hope that lies within you. Oh, when I die, my hope is through Jesus Christ. I get saved from the fires of hell and entrance into heaven. It doesn't say be ready to give every man an answer for every Bible question that exists. No, and that keeps many of us back from sharing, doesn't it? For the hope that lies within you. There is no fear in love, verse 18 again. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So God is at work right now in your heart, Christian, trying to perfect his agape love in you. He's already put people around you. You and I here in this local church body, look around the room. These are people that he knew would also be here concurrently with you that you practice with. So I want us to, we'll close here in a little bit, in a little bit. And I want us to pray for one another that you and I could simply practice to love one another. Make sense? We need that time, that air time, so to speak, to practice. Verse 19, we love him because, what does it say? He first loved us. Great thing, doctrinal truth about God. Again, God's the initiator. He loves you so that you receive and then you respond. You're the respondent. You don't have to force his love. We love him because he loved us first. He gives you mercy so that you can have mercy with others. He gives you forgiveness so that you can, what with others? Pray. Oh, we're getting better at saying it. Used to be I'd hear like, It'd be like real silent. I'm learning that one. (laughs) So all these principles, they emanate, they start, they initiate with God. His love's manifested in you when you're born again, but not perfected through you unless and until you learn to do what? Love one another. Okay. Turn turn to someone else and say, you got to love one another. (laughs) And not just husband and wife. Okay. That, that's good. This is healthy. Congratulations. That's good. Praise the Lord. This is healing. Great. Verse 20, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. It doesn't say if you feel like it. He says must. It's one of those pesky commands. You look at that. Wait a second, God. I didn't learn that in my Bible until now. It's like, wait a second. I love you. And, you know, we sing these songs. Jesus loves all the children. You know, we learn about his love. Yes, you love me. Everybody wants to be a recipient. But God wants you to be a conduit. Okay, not just a bowl or receptacle to receive, but more like the faucet that through you, no one's seen God at any time. But the people that you already know, the people you're praying for, like, God, send a missionary to them. God's like, I have you. <laughs> no, send someone else. Send him. Send her. Ah, I don't want to share it. But how else is he going to get you to mature? Right? Perfect love casts out fear. So we want to pray for God's agape love. Let's go back to Romans 12. Later on, we don't have time to go through this. Later on, I want you to read. Uh, you guys that are in the servants team, we went through Luke 10, uh, Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. That's how you could tap into his power and strength. By being like Mary at his feet, continuing to hear his voice, spending that quality time with him, crying out to him. I've done a lot of that to be able to do this. Some of you guys don't know that. I've done a lot of that. When God was asking me to open my heart and mouth and speak, I'm like, whoa. No way. I'll teach any I'll teach about computers and computer technology. But not this. No way. You gotta be crazy. And the Lord wanted me to do this. So I had to physically cry out a lot of tears and pray and be at his feet. And he would empower me. And I didn't know what he was doing. He was so gentle, so kind in leading me. He would bring people to me. I'm like Whoa. He doesn't right now at the place where I work. I'm like, that's so crazy. I'm there at work and people are coming up asking Bible questions. I think that's crazy. Can he do that through you? 
yeah, I'm still amazed that He does that through me. Now back here to Romans 12, look at this again. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Uh, that, that word for abhor speaks of horror. Okay, have a horror of or to dislike. So in the world, people love horror. I grew up watching horror movies. Any of you guys? And you come to Christ, you're like, I don't want to do that junk anymore because I go to sleep. I have messed up dreams now. <laughs> right? So I just avoid those things. So in the world, people love horror. They love evil. It's celebrated. You come to Christ and he tells you to do what? To abhor it. In the world, they abhor good. But God's telling you and I to abhor the evil and to do what with good? Cling to what is good. And again, verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another. Being kindly affectionate to one another, he says, with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. You and I know what it's like in the world, right? Someone cuts you off, and man, people are ready to bust a cap in someone. And you're like, wow, that's how crazy people, that's not just a New York thing. California, by the way, if you, you New Yorkers, if you drive in California, don't ride the horn. Eh, 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 you up there, move, move, go and do it now. Yes, you, uh, uh. In California, you know what that causes? <laughs> Road rate incidents. And over here, people are like, no, this is a communication tool. <laughs> That's how you know you're back to New York. Like, welcome to New York. We got to be careful, though. It says giving preference to one another. That's not common in New York. No one has seen God at any time. Will you allow... Christian, will you allow the person, the people that know you and those that you come across in your travels, will you allow that God will reveal himself to them through you? Because no one has seen God at any time. But as God's love, his grace is manifested upon, into, and through you, pouring through you like living water, they can then see the love of God. But what I would say, like the grace of God, and the love of God, they're intangible, aren't they? They're intangible. You can't draw a picture. In the world, when you try to draw a picture of love, what color do you draw it as? Red. So it's ubiquitous. We all know that because of marketing. And what shape would you draw when you draw a picture of love? A heart. Now, is that biblically accurate? No way. And according to what we just learned in First John 4, some might say, oh, I draw a picture of Jesus. Oh, good luck. <laughs> we don't know, you know his picture so to speak but we try so it's intangible the grace of God is intangible good luck at trying to draw a picture of the grace of God but no one has seen God at any time so through you Christian others can see God at work through you others can see and know that God is real by what? by allowing God's spirit to empower you with gifts and to empower you so that you can do these things. That's my hope and prayer, because I believe that's what God wants. Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer, and then if we can get ready, can we get ready to do some worship again? Maybe you want to respond by asking for prayer. Maybe this is something that's, that's touched something within you. Not me, I hope, but, but the Lord through His Word is showing you that, hey, that's what I need. And move over here a little bit. And if that's you and you want prayer, then I'm going to ask that, just like we've done before, that we could pray for you. Because again, Christian, we'll, God willing, we'll start to go faster through these verses. But I just know that by the time we get here to Romans 12, verse 9 and on, yes, we could pray for gifts of the Spirit. And then it becomes applicational, especially from verse 9 and on. What do we do with it? Okay, learn to love one another. So this is practice time. Can we practice? And in practice, whether you play basketball or other sport or anything else, it's okay to miss a layup, miss a free throw. It's okay to be messy with it, so to speak. That's life. Let's just embrace that. So let's go, go ahead and stand, can we please? I'm going to ask you, if you want prayer, there's enough space up here. If you want prayer for something we looked at, for you to come forward, and if you want to even pray for others too, you can come on up and pray for others that come up. So let's go ahead and get set up for a time where we can worship. But I believe there's someone here, if not a bunch of you,
My guess is that you want prayer for this. That the Lord would empower you. That He would help you. Because when you read about loving one another, you're like me. You're probably like, man, I want to do that. But how do I? You can't do it on your own. If so, that's called the flesh. And your pride will say, no, I don't want prayer. I could do this. I'm the little engine that could. But it's not, I think I can, I think I can. The Holy Spirit will like, no, you don't. Nope. The flesh profits what? Nothing. Your pride will be like, no, I got this. I'm good. But the Holy Spirit wants you to be prayed for, to be encouraged. So again, so that you wouldn't just receive His love, where the agape love is manifested in you, but that His love is perfected through you by learning to love one another. And we can do that right here and now. Amen? So let me close this with prayer, and then we can continue worshiping. Father in heaven, we thank you for this moment. Lord, I believe there's a holy moment right here now going on where you're brooding over our hearts and souls, Lord. You brought us to a place and time, even through this book of Romans. You brought us together here in this church, in this new family, that we can take off the mask, we can stop being fake. You say to learn to, to basically to love without hypocrisy. We could take off that hypocrites, the that mask, God, and just cry out to you and ask for help. And you brought us together here in the family of God. This is a family, Lord. Help us to learn to accept each other and to pray for each other that life with all its messiness, that we don't have to be fearful of these things. You say perfect love casts out fear. And I know the only way that we can comply with your word is we need the empowerment that comes from you. So Father, empower us from above. Help us simply to pray for one another. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.